riveting of Portland Thorns podcast. I'm Jeanette Hamji, your host, and I'm joined by John Laws. Hi, John. Hi, John. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fine. Surviving the cold and the damp? Um, not happily, no. Oh. I've been working outside a lot. Just a question of getting through. And we're also joined by Richard Budweiser Hamji. Hi, Richard. Hello. How are you doing? Pretty good. About ready for Christmas, I guess. I'm ready for the day to arrive. Let's put it that way. I don't know if I've prepared yet, but I love Christmas. I have to say, I really do. It's my one of my favorite times. And, oh, well, that's yeah. Well, it's not silly old me, but you know, it's my, this is something I enjoy. <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. If, if you like it, you like it. Yeah. Enjoy it. So we're recording this on the evening of Monday, December 20th. The protected lists came out on the 16th as scheduled. And I would say that our protection list was pretty spot on, except for maybe one omission. Our protected list was Bixby, Dunn, Horan, Hubley, Cuica, Menges, Rodriguez, Smith, and Weaver. And the front office protected list was Bixby, Dunn, Haran, Cuica, Mangus, Moultrie, Rodriguez, Smith, and Weaver. So they switched out Hubley for Moultrie. But otherwise, it was uh, basically the same. My understanding is that they were planning to do deals to get out of the draft. So uh, how seriously they took it, I don't know. The other thing is that I suspect that Moultrie's parents may have written a no-trade clause into her contract. That move may have been forced. Right. Yeah, that's kind of the conclusion we came to, too, when we saw that list, which was something that we had never considered. We also said, though, that we didn't think any team would take her. <laughs> That came out on the 16th. We already knew by that time that the Thorns had immunity from Angel City. Because on the 8th, the Thorns traded Simone Charlie and Tyler Lucy to Angel City in exchange for $100,000 in allocation money and a 2022 natural second round college draft pick and roster immunity in the NWSL expansion draft. Yeah, I'd have to say that was a really good piece of business for us. Yeah, absolutely. We got a player that we can certainly live without it, Lucy. I mean, she's an entertaining to watch player, but not productive and never was. And and then Charlie, who's the exact opposite, well, also entertaining and productive, and is a big loss. But we were going to lose Charlie anyway. And so we basically tossed in Lucy and walked away with a boatload of money. And immunity. And, and immunity, right. That was a good piece of business. Yeah, that was a good trade. Really a good deal. I really hope that Charlie starts and plays a lot at Angel City and is a good player for them, except when she's playing against us. Frankly, she was a good player for us. I mean, like 20 goals. If you look at the metrics, XG to goal scored, uh, conversion rate, and just overall goals, she was actually the best striker we had. She didn't start every game. And I think what I'm hearing Richard say is that you want her to maybe start more and also score more. I hope she thrives there. Let's put it that way. I mean, she, she deserves it. She works hard. You know, she's a self-made star. Then on December 10th, Jeff Kasuf of the Equalizer leaked the news that the Portland Thorns would trade Christine Westfall and the rights to Amari Ali to the San Diego Wave in exchange for expansion draft protection and allocation money 
which turned out to be $50,000. That deal was announced by the Thorns as soon as the expansion draft concluded. Because oh, they opened up the window right. at the end of the draft. The deal missed the closure of the window on the Friday of the 10th before the uh, expansion draft. So it was a handshake. One of the passes that San Diego made was to honor that handshake deal, which, as you say, Jeanette was finalized like the moment the window reopened after the end of the draft. Now, as far as I'm concerned, the highlight of the draft was the CBS SN broadcast crew cutting away to the Angel City table where everybody was playing cards, <laughs> you know, which just pointed out the ludicrous nature of the fact that so many clubs traded out that CBS blocked out two hours for the thing and the actual draft was over in about 20 minutes. So the honor talent was just vamping like crazy, trying to fill all this airtime that they had with absolutely nothing. The visual from that was the LA draft team playing go fish while they waited for something to happen. I only hope that maybe the next time around, we just don't even have to go through this. You know, they just stop yeah. pretending and just say, okay, here's some extra money and you have three weeks to spend it. And if you don't spend it, you won't have a roster, so you better spend it and so go for it. Signs of people. The clock's starting now. That easy, just do it all in deals. That'd well, and talk about Kasuf is you know the one who broke this news. Right after he he put out put that up on his Twitter and, and wrote the article, he he did another piece at the Equalizer basically saying, you know, the fact that all these clubs traded out of this draft pretty much tells us that it's not working for, you know, ninety 9.9% of this, the league. So maybe we should just bag it and yeah, <laughs> that worked for me. Well, and the other piece of that would possibly be a free agency for the players, because I'm wondering how do you get established teams to be willing to trade their talent away? Yeah. Free agency would help. Question is who the hell knows what's going on with the CBA? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know it, we know negotiations were paused. There's been no official word that those negotiations have resumed. I, I, I certainly hope they have, but I don't think anybody knows right now where, where we are. The other piece of news that will affect the expansion draft is the uh, NWSL and the U.S. soccer together dissolved the allocated player system. Players will no longer be allocated by U.S. soccer and that teams will be responsible for paying their salaries like any other player. Yeah, again, this is something that some of the clubs had anticipated us first. Yeah, with Dunn and Haran taking them off of the allocation, uh, that was a baby step toward getting U.S. soccer out of the NWSL, business of managing NWSL, and now they are out. So that was a memo of understanding between the USWNT Players Association, the Women's National Teams Player Association and the U.S. soccer saying, we don't want to be allocated anymore. And then that, of course, falls to the league, meaning, okay, now, you know, Lynn Williams, for example, will not be an allocated player in January or ever again. And so they signed her to a contract. And this will be true of all the players. So, for example, a player like Morgan Weaver, who, you know, gone to camp, but not a cap yet, but anyway, trying to be on the national team, will never, ever be paid by U.S. soccer. Those days are over. So she will be a thorn as long as she's, now, assuming we don't trade her, she'll be a thorn forever and uh, play for the national team as well and play for the same sort of money arrangement that the 
men have, parents' fees and that sort of thing. That was my question, Richard. So did they specify? I mean, I know that the men are, it's kind of a piecework thing. The men are played by the match. Did they did they specify that, that the women are gonna now gonna go to that? They didn't they didn't give the specifics because it's not known. So they but they did clear oh. the they said they cleared the way to negotiate the same contract that the men have. And the league has uh, I'm sorry, US soccer has already offered that. Gotcha. Uh the exact same deal, but they don't apparently don't want quite the exact same deal. But anyway, <laughs> they're but the same basic idea, I think. Appearance okay. fees, performance bonuses. Right. Uh, expenses and insurance, all those kind of things yeah. would be just like they are with men. Uh, the actual dollar amounts, who knows, but um, it only affects the league and that it gets rid of allocated players. So that unhandcuffs the teams uh, to and the players. So now it's a side effect of that means that a player could now go play in England and still be a starter on the women's national team, which as a practical matter has not been the case in the past. Well, and it well, it, it frees the teams, and at the same time, it, it, it also burdens them with having to come up with a scratch to, you know, play some of these, these players that are making six figures. Yep. And so that's going to make some, you know, I mean, for, for a team like Portland or, you know, I would assume a team like you know, Los Angeles or San Diego, probably not a big problem. But for a team like Kansas City, man, that, that might be kind of tough. Oh, I think Kansas City's got plenty of money. I mean, they're building a stadium to go with their brand new trading <laughs> facility. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. And they're self-financing it. Uh, that's, uh, that's yeah, true. I don't think they're hurting for money. Uh, Looking at the teams that might suffer from this, one is, is Washington, which yeah, uh, while they've won the league and, and good for them, uh, they did it in spite of their ownership. Their ownership is both impoverished and miserly compared to the other teams in the league. So that's not helping their cause any. And the other one is Houston, which just can't do anything right. So yeah, those two teams may really struggle with this new arrangement. And yeah. it makes me wonder if that may have been why Houston was willing to let Christy Mewis go. Because they yeah. just weren't going to be able to come up with the money to pay to keep her. Yeah, makes when sense. she came off allocation. Because, so. yeah, they, they did not do well over this last couple of weeks. They lost a they lost a lot of good pieces and didn't get it got next to nothing in return. I'm wondering about North Carolina. Are what kind of situation are they in? Do you know? <laughs> Equally dire. You're right. Yeah. I mean, well, they had yeah. a they had a huge fire sale of of their existing club. You know whether that had to do with uh, you know turnover post Riley. I don't know, but they're doing stuff like I mean they they re-signed Jalen Hinkle Daniel. I mean they still have Dabinia. They still have Williams. They still have Urseg. They're they're not dead, but they. <laughs> They've lost some major big pieces, yes. that's for sure. All the rest of their back line is gone. Sam Mewis is gone. Now Jess McDonald is gone. It's been all out and no in with them. And the same in Orlando. And But uh, to your point, John, really, Houston really took it bad. And they, they yeah, not, Houston they got not, hammered. They have nothing to show for this fall. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, tough times them so i'm wondering about how much of that is the finances of the thing it'll be interesting to see how they fare this next season and mm -hmm. season after that and, and louisville is the same i mean they, they have yet to name a coach really uh they have yeah. an acting interim coach they are obviously undoing their first season team setup selling off christian yeah. press's rights and savannah mccaskill and they basically you know cleared out the people that that holly had said were going to be his go-tos are all they're all gone so mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty much start over time for them they didn't even protect uh, nagasato she didn't get taken but they didn't protect her so yeah. it's uh yeah start over time there 
but I don't, there's no indication that they aren't interested in pursuing it though, or that there's something that they're not going to build a good quality team. They just haven't yet. Well, now Chicago too, do they have a coach yet? Are they replaced? No, I don't nope. think so. Yeah. They, they also got <laughs> cleaned out. They yeah, lost they, five they, players. And gained they're nine. looking at a major rebuild. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting 2022. I'd say on the other hand though, we, we didn't have that problem. No. I mean, we knew we were going to lose two players and we did lose we lost two near starters in Westfall yeah. and, and Charlie. And then we lost two non-starters in exchange for a fairly hefty chunk of money mm-hmm. and uh, really came out of this thing smelling yeah. like a rose. So two days after the expansion draft, it was time for the NWSL college draft. The Thorns had the second round draft pick by virtue of their trade with Angel City. And they used that draft pick to select Sydney Nicello. She was rated number four on top drawer soccer's top 30 draft rankings. She's a senior at the University of South Florida. In the 2021 season, she played in 19 games. She started in 19 games, had 11 goals, five assists, and she played 1,694 minutes. Henderson, real, real high on her. Right. He, he had her at his number five. And the fact that she was still there at number 13 and the Thorns managed to pick her up, he thought was a tremendous pick. He he loved it both from for, for the fit and for you know her own quality. Great off the dribble. He also said she was a great passer for a winger. Yep. And they gave her fit an A and her value an A+. Plus. Yeah, so everybody loved that pick. <laughs> Frankly, when I saw that, and I'm like, we got the number four rated. Yeah. Because I, you know, I had that list, and I was checking them off as they were being selected, and then, and then her Twitter past was exposed. That putting aside the controversy for the moment, as a player, just sheer soccer. It sounds like she would have been a good fit. She was a great pick. The Thorns overall, I felt, did exceptionally well. You know, Nacella was a great pick at 13. I think the controversy has obscured the fact that on pure soccer terms, the new front office coaching combination did exceptionally well. The Thorns selected center back Gabby Provenzano with their second round, number 22 overall draft pick. She's a senior at Rutgers University. During the 2021 season, she started 25. They had 25 games. She started in all of them. She had two goals, one assist, and played 2,155 minutes. Henderson gave her, as a fit, a B, which I thought was kind of interesting. But her value was an A. He said he didn't think she was a star, but she's got technical ability from a school that produces great defenders. Mm-hmm. Not great in the air, but solid overall. Yeah, and and then she gave an interview uh, right after she was picked, and sounds like she really has her head on straight. Uh, I'm wondering too if uh, Ali, who is on her team with her, had uh, anything to do with this. She had a Thorns teammate already, and that may have had something to do with it as well, uh, in terms of someone who could vouch for her that the team already knows, you know, that Thorns already knew. The only thing that's kind of a little 
off about it from a college versus pro level is that she's not very tall. She's like five foot six. And that for a center back is not real great. But that doesn't mean that she couldn't be converted to an outside back position as well. Be, you know, Klingenberg, for example, does just fine on, as an outside back. And she's not 5'6". So. The uh, college website has her down as 5'5". Five five. Which is pretty small for a pro center back. That was Anderson. He wasn't sure that she was up to taking on pro attackers. And I'm assuming that primarily that has to do with her size. But overall, very strong, very athletic high soccer IQ. It looked like a looked like a tremendous pick, and, and I think it is. I, mean, I think we're going to get good value out of this player. She's also been the team captain for a couple of seasons and was team captain for part of 2019. So she's got some leadership experience as well. And then for the very last draft pick, which was actually third to the last of the whole yeah session the thorns picked forward natalie beckman a senior at the university of denver henderson gave her a value of a plus 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 <laughs> <laughs> i like this description he said she put up quote video game numbers that's about as good a description as somebody who's ping-ponging goals in left and right apparently denver is like towers over the rest of the summit conference like Babe Ruth and a Babe Ruth league. Apparently she, you know, Beckman took full advantage of that. I think she was the one that someone, I don't, I don't, I want to say it was top drawer said had the makings of possibly an outside back conversion, which given the fact that we, you know, we had to give up on Westfall, that's not a bad thing to have. Yeah. They said that she's the best crosser of the class. Ah, so out of the entire 100, 50 people who put in for the draft, she's the best crosser of the ball of all of them. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Which, yeah. I mean, she's got a strong leg, obviously, and that's and an accurate one. That's a that's good, good thing to have on an outside yeah, back. Sure is. That was one of the things I loved about Westfall. During the 2021 season, they had 21 games. She started in all of them. She had five goals, 18 assists. Nice. And played 1,646 minutes. She's only 5'2", so she's not mm. very big either. But Henderson said that she's a perfect pick for the team's DNA. That was one of the things that Parsons was great at, was finding these garbage time picks and, you know, coming up with something that, that that was worth keeping. It was good to see the FO, our new FO, has, you know, the same DNA. They did a great job. And I think, I know I was happy. I think everybody is happy. And then the internet exploded. And now we probably have to talk about that. it's time to talk about the controversy surrounding the selection of Sydney Nicello. Just to recap real quickly, what happened was that, of course, people, when she was signed and there's all this hullabaloo about how great it was to have her signed, people want to know who she is, you know, and they want to follow her on Twitter, follow her on Facebook, all that stuff like we do with everybody. And, and in the process of doing that, discovered that she is a fascist bigot of the highest order and liked and retweeted horrible things for years <laughs> and that her mother is a total anti-vaccine nut job and her dad isn't much better so sounds like sounds like the whole family there in cornhole florida right. or whatever is pretty whack job it's unlikely that she's vaccinated yeah, uh, she was had 70 people in her house none of them wearing masks for the celebration party as of the draft so it's all just very 
disheartening to see and something that the FO never checked. And it's possible because they have a process and they've always had it according to Parsons since he's been there. And so, you know, Auger and everyone, Sophie and everyone else who's still there knows this process. It must have not included checking people's social media or they would have done it. So it's just a weird thing. They just have never have had to do it before. That's where I date myself because I don't follow these people on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. And it literally never would have occurred to me that, oh, I'm hiring somebody. I should check their Facebook and, and look yeah. at their Twitter and see if they're a raving fascist nut. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just like, you know, you come in for an interview, you sit down. If you're a raving fascist nut, I should be able to figure it out. I mean, the idea of like, I mean, it, it, it almost seems creepy to me. It, well, it's like, it's like John, I, it's no, not. I understand. It's not. I understand. This is absolutely understand. totally it's, normal understand. business. It's okay. Business as usual. I, I yep. get it. Yep. But I mean, I get it, but I don't get it. It, it still seems really creepy to me. You know, it's, no, like it's, a, it's, a, it's a background check. I, I, mean, I, they, I they tell you that they say I went to Harvard and you look on their social media and they mean they went to Harvard, Tennessee to buy some <laughs> whiskey one time. I mean, yeah. that's what it's for. Yeah. And uh, well, and it's it will, routinely it, done. It, yeah. It'll it'll yeah. be what it's for until people smart up and realize that basically they need to stop posting shit on their Instagram. And, and then everybody's, you know, everybody's feet will go go dark. But hey, guess guess what you learn when you look and you see it there. Though you learn that they aren't very smart because they yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, someone who is smart would have known not to do that in the first place. That's yeah. right. I think it was an honest mistake, Coach Wilkinson. I mean, she came out and she talked to uh, Stephanie Yang. Well, she said she she needed to hold her hand up and be responsible for not doing the work needed on the social media side. And that she believes in Karina LeBlanc's statements about who they are and what, what their mission and purpose is. And she said she was going to leave it for now, mm -hmm. but we're definitely very early in our relationship and it's going to be something that we address. I would hate to be dragged for the dumb shit that I said when I was 23, but that's not the case here. Okay. I mean, I had 30 or 40, 50 years to become a better person. Exactly. The Florence have to put this woman on the field. If they want to put her on the field, they've got to put her on the field by next April. They don't have a whole lot of time uh, to deal with whatever headspace and timing problems that she has that has made her a raving Trumpkin. So my guess is it's probably not worth it. Um, I don't think we know at this point what the front office wants to do. It sounds like they're kind of slow walking this. I mean, I think that they're off on Christmas break right now and yeah, they're not going to deal with it until after the first of the year. Yeah. In the meantime, Twitter is stewing over it um, yeah. and Facebook, all of social media. There are people who think that they did this on purpose which I don't understand at all, but, well, I do understand it because- it... <laughs> Yeah, I see, I was just gonna say, I wish I could say it surprised me that there are people who actually think that, as stupid as it is, but I'm not. There are a lot of people who are hurt over this, that someone who holds these views that are directed at people like them, who knows what the players are thinking. To your point that they're on a Christmas break now, probably, and. She said right out, she made a mistake. She said it. Yeah. She made it very clear that Sydney is going to have to show him something if she's going to stick, and it's going to have to be something pretty drastic. 
and that she was going to wait on it. She said that. Yeah. I mean, right away, same day. There was no hiding from it. Yeah. And, and she seems to be a person of her word. So, I mean, she didn't say, well, we're going to get rid of her tomorrow. She mm. said, we're going to talk to her and see what, why she's doing this, whether this is fixable or not, more or less. Again, I think it would have been better for her to get on Twitter and say it herself on her own Twitter feed yeah. or to put it on the Thorns yeah. FC website. I mean, they went through, again, they went through the athletic and, you know, rather yeah. than just saying it out loud in front of everyone so that everyone could hear it. That's and true. so not everybody has heard it. Again, being upfront about it, but doing it under, not underhandedly, but not doing it directly. She could have had Richard Farley have a little interview with her. How'd the draft go? Well, it was okay for a while, and then it wasn't. Yeah, you know, I mean, words out of her own mouth, to your point, I think, directly to us or directly to the audience would have helped. I think there's a tremendous organizational inertia in all the Peregrine organizations. Absolutely. And that's why I said, again, I mean, this is their pattern. They, they're, yeah. you know, they don't come out and communicate when it's hard, when it's tough, when it's, when they have to admit. They don't, uh, they don't ever come out and communicate. Here's the other thing that I think of. I hope this is not the case, but it could be is maybe there's a little bit of fear of what if the Hannity's of the world get a hold of this story Absolutely. they come out and say, you know, we've decided to part ways with this player. And then the Hannity's of the world get a hold of it and start attacking uh, the thorns directly. I mean, the proud boys live in our backyard. Oh, yeah. There's no defending what Nacello liked and retweeted. I mean, it's indefensible stuff, right? And, uh, you got to wonder about some of it in terms of not only where is her head, but for example, one of the one of the things she liked was an article, an image rather, of a, a congresswoman in blackface, and it was intended as an insult to that woman, and she liked this thing. Okay, and now she gets to go in there and talk to a black woman who is her boss and explain why she didn't mean that indicating that being black was bad and that showing pictures of blackface and liking that and laughing about it is okay. It's over for her. I mean, it's just <laughs> over. Yeah. There is no recovery from this. Yeah. It's not well, possible. And, and, you and know, that's I mean, just one of the many horrible yeah. things and, that and, she I did mean, for I mean, years. Everybody, I mean, everybody gets a second act, but you don't get a second act. You don't get a second act when you have to appear on the field with your team in, in four months. Okay. There's, there's no way the wing nut doesn't fall that far from the tree that she's going to totally reinvent herself by April. Okay. That that's not going to happen. Yeah. And getting back to my point, I mean, if they have already decided to let her go, which they may or may not have done, I don't know. Or if down the road, they decide to let her go, but they want to do it quietly because of the potential of the backlash. Yeah. I think it'll be very clear to us, though, if she's not on the roster. So, <laughs> yeah, just to be clear, letting her go is not what we're really talking about here. She is not. Yeah, she's we not have contract. zero right. obligation. Exactly. To her. There right. is no contract. There is no nothing. Right. We right. can walk away yeah. from her anytime we want for any reason. And we do it all the time. Every yeah. year, one of the three or four draft picks doesn't even make it through camp. Yeah. So. If she chooses to not even show up for camp, which is an option, then this whole thing is a moot point, right? Right. 
And maybe that's kind of what they're hoping for is that she will back out of it and they'll just, it'll go away right now. Other than that, I mean, all they can do is come back on January 5th or something if they're not going to do it now. And it sounds like they aren't and just say, oh, we're done. You know, we can't live with this. I mean, she, she liked tweets about how horrible Portland is multiple yeah. times. And yeah, here she wants that, to get I'm a like, job and work in Portland. Downtown, right where it all happened. That's where she wants to work every day now. I mean, the disconnect between what she did and what she wants to be doing is so vast, it's hard to believe it's the same person. I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy. It's nuts. Well, yeah, unfortunately, there's 74 million people out there like that. I mean, the chances that the Thorns were going to run into one of them someday was statistically not all that small. I mean, I, I agree with you, Jeanette, that, you know, the thing to do have done would have been to, you know, basically get right out front and say, well, okay, yeah, we screwed up. That's just not in Peregrine's DNA. Well, but they did sort of do it. They just didn't do it directly. To Jeanette's point, it was leaked that we to Kasuf that we were going to make this deal with uh, uh, San Diego because it was too late to, to actually make a deal, right? So they leaked it. That didn't happen by accident. No. I mean, Karina picked up the phone and said, "Which journalist? Did, we just did a thing with Meg Linehan. We'll give one to we'll give one to Kasuf now at Equalizer. It's his turn. Next time it'll be Joseph Tannenbaum or or Jen Cooper, or next time, yeah, or, somebody yeah. else, right? And they just kind of make go around the list and give them a tweet, give them a give them a thing. Next one up, Steph Yang. Okay, here you go, Steph. Yeah, you're not here to eat tacos this year, so we'll give you this little tidbit <laughs> instead. You know, we screwed up. I made a huge mistake." I'm a newbie. I should have known better. I should have been more careful. I wasn't. That's what she said, more or less. Oh, well, yeah, no, you're more, right. More, not even less. And, right. and so that's fine. She she fell on her sword right away. Uh, that's more than we can say for anyone else who's ever worked for this organization in the past. Coach Wilkinson, she's only coached national teams. She's never coached a club team. And so a national team, I don't expect that they would have to go through the same vetting process, that those are players mostly that are already playing on club teams. The other thing, too, is, I mean, I'm, I'm fairly sure that, that LeBlanc and Wilkinson themselves aren't the ones that spend hours in front of a screen pawing through every, you know, 50 or 60 draftees social media feeds. They've, they've got an intern or they've got a staffer that does that. And we don't know what happened. I mean, it's, you know, it's entirely possible that, that Wilkinson thought LeBlanc was going to do it. LeBlanc thought Wilkinson was going to do it. And they both thought their assistants were going to do it. And the assistants thought they were going to do it. I mean, again, they've been only doing this for a month. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this, this conspiracy theory thing that, you know, this is just another part of the, you know, Merritt Paulson's nefarious plot to, uh, you know, turn this into a branch office of, NYCFC and import a bunch of three percenters and, and proud boys to replace the, the Timbers army and the riveters. Yeah. I mean, come on guys, people make mistakes. This was a mistake. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta agree with that. I don't see how it, it can really realistically look at it any other way. Now it is a silly mistake to make as is, you know, been pointed out many times already. One thing I, I Jeanette and I were talking about this earlier uh, today is like, one thing you could do if you wanted to make the draft uh, more participatory, more interesting for the fans is say, hey, fans, here's a list of 150 players that we are considering for the draft. Mm -hmm. Go out there. Go for it. Yeah. Tell us which ones are we should do the, do the research. You go do the homework for us. And who would jump at the opportunity to do it? I, I suspect yeah. that everyone would be, yeah, sure, I'll do that. <laughs> and, and this would have come, come up out with of a... 
you know, there would have been a report card and you know, a Google sheet. You could go out and say, well, it's not good for this reason or good for that reason. And guess what? This one would have been at the bottom of the list. You know? yep. So they could have, they could have enlisted the fans to do, to give them some help without giving, without showing their hand. I mean, if it's a list of 150 names, you're not yep. showing anybody uh -huh. anything they don't already know. So just enlist their help and say, Hey, we're, we're under the gosh, we're under the gosh here. We got no time. Help us out. Yeah. And we have there, but jump right yeah. to it. You betcha. Yeah. Write yeah. that, write that down on your calendars for next year. Well, on December 18th, the NWSL came out with a preliminary competition framework of the 10th anniversary campaign. The players are going to report to a six week camp on February 1st. Is that earlier than normal? No. Preseason? No, about right, okay. about normal. Then the third annual challenge couple start on March 19th. It will consist of three groups of four teams playing double round robin matches. Semifinals and the NWSL Challenge Cup final will be held on Saturday, May 7th. The season will continue with each of the 12 teams playing home and away against every other team in the league. So the regular season will be 22 games and it will be a balanced schedule. The framework was designed to limit the number of games that occur during FIFA windows, so ensuring the league's most accomplished players are able to compete for club and country with relatively few conflicts compared to recent years, unquote. Altogether, each team will play 28 matches, 14 contests at home, and 14 on the road. Six teams will make the playoffs, and the NWSL Championship of 2022 will happen on the weekend of October 28th. I like the balanced schedule. That's, that's good. Everybody gets everybody gets home and away. The shield will mean something for real. Yeah. Everyone will have played everyone home and away. That means that whoever wins the shield really is the best team. Yeah, in the league. really is the best team in the league. Yeah. Then of course we'll start all over again because that's where we're in a playoff league. Yep. I mean the challenge cup to me is 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 preseason, and I frankly just as soon see a team that I was supporting treated as preseason and not take it so seriously that they risk the health or the uh the tactical development of their club to get a piece of silverware mm. yeah and i think too that though that the a 22 game season means that the clubs are too short on their season ticket holder agreement you signed up for 12 home games there's only going to be 11 home games in the season so you know the three or four games that we'll have at home for the challenge cup make up for that Kasuf's point on equalizer was that that he loves the loves the idea of the challenge cup, but he thinks it should be mid season, more like an all star break type thing, huh. uh, and that it would be a good way to kind of break the season into a front half and a back half, and you could play the challenge cup over top of a FIFA break because you wouldn't be expecting to see Lindsey Horan play in the challenge cup necessarily. So. He's got a good point, and I think they they should have considered that. Maybe they did and decided they couldn't do it, but um, but yeah, there we go. At least it's going to be a balanced schedule. That's good. 
and at least it'll be over before December. That's good. Well, here's what I think is might happen for this Challenge Cup, since they're going to be three groups of four teams. Mm -hmm. That says to me, our group is going to be Seattle, LA, LA, San Diego, and us. And I think that could be, yes. And I think that could be pretty epic. Now for Angel City and San Diego to have their debut games be part of this preseason-ish Challenge Cup. That's the other thing Kasuf objected to. We're going to get the first look at those two two teams. Yeah, which which is really the only kind of epic part about that is that we just we won't. Yeah, I mean, if this was in midseason, we would already have seen San Diego and we'd already seen Angel City. We might have at least. Yeah, so it would have been like, oh, here they come again. Yeah, well, we've seen these guys. What if we could play both of them in the same week? Like on Sunday, we play one of them, and Saturday, we play the other one. Go down there and play them both, right? Yeah. Would That would be, what a road trip that would be. Oh, yeah. That'd be that'd fun, be man. We'd be, we would be in our car, baby. We'd be there. The Players Association has started a new fund called Support the Players National Emergency Trust. The Rose City Riveters are conducting a raffle as a fundraiser for the Player Emergency Trust, and the 107ist has pledged to donate $5,000 to kick off the fundraising effort. You can find information on the raffle uh, on Twitter. Riveters can be found at, at PDX Riveters SG. You can read about the emergency fund at supporttheplayers.net. I think it's just a really cool idea. This is one way we as supporters and fans can actually help support the players on an individual level um, in terms of supporting them financially in the case of emergencies like uh, their car breaks down or they need a certain hospital care or different things like that. And the raffle's got some cool stuff, like there's signed Diego Valeri jerseys and signed Thorns players' boots and things that you can get a, you know, three shots for 25 bucks. So, yeah, maybe you'll win something nice out of it too, but at least the money is going to a good, good, good place. And when they announced the raffle, Angela Salem came on Twitter and said, I will sign one of my old jerseys. Good for her, you know. The drawing is going to be on New Year's Day. Um, and event is on the 107is.org website. And I'll put a link in the description of this podcast on our website. That's all the time we have. Let's sign off. I was Richard Hamsey saying Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Hope you have a wonderful holiday. It's going to be kind of quiet time now for a while. Be back here on Groundhog's Day and looking forward to that. John Laws, uh, also wishing you a, a Merry Christmas. Happy holidays for whatever holidays you celebrate. Remember, keep your mask on. Get yourself vaccinated. The Omicron is out there. We'll see you back here when uh, figure out whether we have six more weeks of winter. And I'm Jeanette Hamji. Thank you for listening. This has been Riveting, a Portland Thorns podcast. <laughs>